Let's get into the word again today in Psalms 133. We've been on this for some weeks now. We're calling it the ministry of reconciliation. And we looked in Psalm 133. And let's read this again. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Fellowship, getting along, unity is absolutely one of the most enjoyable things there is in life. The opposite of it is one of the most hellish. Strife and fighting is is actually a taste of hell. And unity and peace and love is a taste of heaven. It is, because these are the actual environments of these places. And uh, verse 2 It, this unity, this good, full, and free fellowship, it's like precious ointment on the head that ran down or flowed down the beard, even down to the skirts of his garments. It's uh, anointing involved. And the anointing is manifestation of the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says, It's like the dew of Hermon and the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, let's notice this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature or creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, that's not on the outside, obviously. That's not even in your mind. But it's in the inner man. The hidden man of the heart. You know, when you're born again, God didn't just heal you in spirit. You were recreated, not fixed. Big difference. Verse 18, and all these things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. It's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Once we have been reconciled to God, are made at one with him, at peace with him, instead of at odds with him, once that's happened for us, then we have a job, a ministry, and a message. What is it? Help other people. Be reconciled to him. And that's not just preachers now. That's every believer. And he said now then. We are ambassadors for Christ. Say it out loud. I am am an ambassador. ambassador For Christ. Christ. And he said as though God did beseech you. By us. Ambassador means one. Who is sent by somebody else. Who represents somebody else. Who speaks For somebody else. Who are we speaking for? God. And we are praying people. In Christ's stead. You could say it like this. If Jesus were here. He would tell you. That God loves you. And that he paid the price for you. And that he's not holding your sins against you. He already paid for them. Come on and come to God. And be reconciled to him. But uh, Jesus is not here in the flesh, but he sent me to tell you this. That's not a stretch. This is applicable to everyone who has themselves been reconciled to God. We pray you in Christ's stead, in his place. Be ye reconciled to God. Now this also reveals that not everyone is already reconciled to God. Because if they already were, just on the basis of what Jesus has done alone, by grace alone, there would be no ministry of reconciliation. There would be no need for us to try to tell people and try to get them, come be reconciled to God, because they already would be based on what Jesus has done. Somebody says, well, hasn't Jesus already paid the price? Yes, he has. But all the grace of God is a gift. And the only gifts you enjoy are the ones you receive. Just because it's been given to you 
does not mean you'll enjoy it. You have to receive it. And what God has provided and given by his amazing grace must be received by faith. Faith is the hand that takes and lays hold and receives the gifts. Hallelujah. You've got to receive Jesus as Lord. You've got to receive the price he paid. You've got to receive that he reconciled you to God. And if you do it, you'll experience it. Has anybody in here experienced some of this? Yes, you have. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Ephesians, please. Ephesians and the second chapter. Ephesians 2, all of this is wonderful, but down about verse 15, let's look. It says that Jesus, well, I'll tell you what, back up to verse 11 now. Don't want to move too fast. He said, remember that you, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Keep reading the next few verses. At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's where everybody is that has not received Jesus. And now people are trying to say that all the bad stuff and everything that's happening is because God is doing it in their life. But the truth is, in many people's life, God, back up to verse 12 again, they are without God in the world. God is not involved in their life. That's the problem. Oh, come on, can you see this, saints? This is one of the biggest errors that even millions of church-going people try to say and believe, trying to attribute everything that's happening to God, that it's somehow His mysterious plan and will. And the biggest problem is that in so many people's lives, God is not involved at all. That's what's wrong with their life. Do you remember Revelation said, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door, and knock, what does that mean? At that point, is he in the room with you? No. No. He is not in the room with you. He's not involved in what you're doing, which is why things can be such a catastrophe. He's not even in it. He's not even involved in it. How many want God in the room with you? You want, well, he said, you got to open the door. You got to open the door. I'm knocking. I'm saying, I want to be with you. I want you to be one with me, but you got to invite me in. You got to open the door. You got to let me in. Now, he's God. He could dematerialize the door. Is that right? (laughs) He could. Somebody said, well, he's God. That's what he wants us. That's what's going to happen. You're wrong. You're wrong. That's not how he has made it. He's made it so that we really do have a free will and he is not going to impose himself on us even if it means our destruction. He will not override our choice and our will. Aren't you glad by the grace of God you've made the right choice and received him and believed on him well as much as you can help somebody else to make the right choice. Right? Without God is the problem. So much of what's going on in the world round about us is godless. And can you see what the motive and push is to get God out of everything? Don't bring up God in this. Don't bring up God in that. Don't bring up God in that. Well, without him, you're not going to have what he has. His peace, his grace, his blessing, his protection. His healing, his provision, the list goes on and on and on. No, we don't go anywhere without him. We want him in all of our, how many want God all in your business? Somebody say, God, I want you all in my business. In everything. I want you in my house, in every room. I want you in the closets, right? The cupboard. I want you everywhere. I want you. Well, he will not be automatically. He'll only be into the places you invite him in. 
that you give him access to. The reason I say that is because even church-going people, oftentimes they'll give God access to certain parts of their life, but other parts are closed off to him. But if you're smart, you'll have him come on into every room, into every part of your life. Keep reading. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh, that means near, by the blood of Christ. This is reconciliation in a verse. We used to be afar off. We used to be on the outside. We used to be without God. Now, because of what Jesus has done and because of us receiving it, we are not on the outside looking in. We're not foreigners and strangers without hope, without God in the world. Now, in Christ Jesus, those who sometimes were far off, we are made close, near. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right on up to the throne room. Right, right on up to union with him. Verse 14. He is our peace. Come on, say it out loud. He is our peace. He is our peace. Who? Who's this talking about? Jesus. Yeshua. He is our peace. Who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There was a wall between us and God. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They got driven out. Remember that? Driven out of the Garden of Eden. And there was a a flaming sword. There was a barrier between them and the peaks and the blessing they had known. Because they had chosen to disobey God. Chosen not to believe Him. Chosen to yield to His enemy and obey His enemy. But the Lord was not content with that being the case of them and all their descendants. He meant that he was going to be able to fellowship with us anyway. Are you thankful for this? And no human beings from Adam on down could fix it. Because every man and every woman sinned and came short of the glory of God. Every man and woman made basically the same mistake that Adam and Eve made. I've heard sometimes people say, well, thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. You really messed everything up. You know, we could still be in the Garden of Eden if it wasn't for you pulling that dumb trick. Well, what did you do? What did you do? The only way you could say you would have done something different is if you could say, I have never sinned. I have never sinned. Well, if you've sinned, that's what they did. Right? And so that's what the Bible said. So all have sinned and death passed upon all because all have sinned. Just like what happened with Adam and Eve. And so it couldn't be fixed until until a special man. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say a man. Yes, he calls himself a man. If he hadn't have been a man, he wouldn't have qualified to fix what man messed up. Come on, can you see that? A man messed it up. And a man had to fix it. But oh, a special man. Anybody know who I'm talking about? This, this special man. He was born of a woman. Hallelujah. He was fulfillment of prophecy. He was tempted in all points like as we are. Yet never sinned one time. And because of it, he qualified. Somebody say qualified. He qualified where no other man or woman ever had. That he could be the sinless, spotless sacrifice and what the Bible calls the propitiation for our sins. The means to reconcile us back to God. Jesus is the solution. Hallelujah to man's problem at being at odds with God. Our natural descendants couldn't fix it. None of us were ever able to qualify to fix it. Oh, but Jesus did it. He did it as a man. He lived and functioned and went to the cross as a man with no unfair advantage over us, except that he never succumbed 
to the temptations of sin. He did not disqualify himself. Keep reading. What does it say? He is our peace. Let's back it up again. Verse 14. Say it out loud. He's my peace. He is our peace. He broke down that wall. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 15. He abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments and ordinances, for to make in himself of two, one new man, so making peace. Keep going. Everybody say making peace, making peace. So making peace that he might reconcile both, that, that's Jew and Gentile under God, in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Can you see he took care of the, what was causing us to be separated from God. He took care of the enmity, the animosity, the, the thing that was the wall between us and God. And then he came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. We can now, any believer, every believer can now come boldly right up to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Where Nobody could go before because of sin and because of condemnation and disqualification. It's not that you've earned it or deserved it by your perfect living or doing, but by what Jesus did, we've been made right, made accepted in the beloved. Can you say amen? I felt like I needed to review a little bit. Amen? Could you know what we're talking about? Could you know that too well? Could you know that too much? And if that gets to be old hat to you, something's wrong. You need to get stirred up. Huh? Your fire needs to get flared up again. Go to Romans, the eighth chapter, please. Romans chapter eight. Oh, hallelujah. I'm getting stirred up about what I'm about to tell you. Mm, 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 mm. This is amazing. The gospel is, what, what does gospel mean? Good news. Good news. It's the best news you'll ever hear. Ever hear. Throughout eternity, it's the best news you'll ever hear. What is, what is the good news? The good news, the gospel, is the good news of all the good things our good God has done for us in Jesus. All the good things he's given us. And one of the biggest good things that he gave us is a reconciliation, uh, being allowed to be in union with God and commune and fellowship with God directly. Wow. Everybody say directly. 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 Now, while well, I'm talking about this, put up on the screen for us, 1 Timothy. What is it? 1 Timothy 2, about verse 5, I think it is. Yeah. That's right. Said uh, there is how many gods? One. How many? One. How many religions are there in the world? <laughs> huh? I've been in countries where we went down the street, and every other building was a different temple to a different god. This is just common, many different places in the world. But if you believe the Bible. Y'all with me or not? If you believe the Bible, what? There is only one God. Somebody said, well, you're just narrow-minded. You need to be more inclusive and accepting of other people's religions. Then I wouldn't be a Christian. What do you mean? What do you mean? To be a Christian means you believe what the Christ says. You've accepted him as your Lord. The word becomes your standard. Your final authority. You can't just make up things as you go along. There's how many gods? One. One. And how many mediators? One. Are you sure? Yes. There are lists of scores, maybe hundreds, of patron saints. No. No, sir. What's wrong with that? Well, what's right with it? Where's it at in the Word? 
What's a patron saint? Why would you pray to St. Christopher to protect you in your travels instead of in the name of Jesus? See, the implication is, well, yeah, but St. Christopher, he's a saint, and he he knows God, he's closer to God, and, and I'm just, you know, dumb me, and I messed up everything, and so I don't have a right, and so I can't, I'm not, I don't have the in with God that St. Chris has. That's contrary to everything I've read you in the scripture yes. since we started this morning. That's saying that your prayers are answered by, more by how good you are. And we've already said we couldn't be good enough. To get access or to get prayer. That's why Jesus had to come. If we could get access by being good enough. Then Jesus coming was unnecessary. Are y'all with me friends? You don't need these talismans either. These good luck charms. These medals. That is acting like people who worship idols. And people who worship other things. It's superstition. It's putting faith in the wrong thing. Why am I saying all this? Read the scripture again. What? How many gods? How many gods? Are you sure about this now? How many gods? I want you to say it real strong. There is only one God. How many mediators... Do we have between us and God? Appealing to God on our behalf. How many? How many? One. 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 The man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. One. Do not pray to any other saint. Do not pray in anybody else's name. Because we've been told we have been brought nigh. We have direct access to the Father. The Father. Come on, are y'all with me? The Father. We have direct access to the Father. Why talk to the people in the street when you can go to the throne room? Why? What? What are you doing? People say, we're going to bombard the gates of heaven. What? <laughs> what are you doing? Bombarding out there. Come on. Amen. When Jesus has reconciled us, has paid the price, given us, somebody say direct access, direct, direct access. Direct access to who? None other than the creator of the heavens and the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. There's nobody above him. <laughs> you can go straight to the top. Hallelujah. And all this stuff about getting you to pray for me, getting you to pray for me, we can join faith with you, but quit thinking he won't hear your prayer. And praying to dead saints. No, no. No. Where is that at in the scriptures? In order for something to be scriptural, you need scriptures for it. I'm not trying to to knock anybody. It's just that that is being disrespectful of what Jesus has done for us. He's saying, I gave you direct access, and then you come to him and say, no, I'm going to go around through Saint so-and-so. <laughs> Y'all are quiet. First Timothy two five. There is what? One God, and and how many mediators? See, a mediator is a go-between. Who do I need to use as a go-between? Not even Jesus' mother. Y'all with me now? There's not one verse, not one verse in the scriptures. About that. Or any other saint. How many mediators? Am I reading scripture? One mediator. 
between God and men, who is it? The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Mr. Reed, you have to be that plain about it. I, I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to leave out of here scratching your head because what was he talking about? <laughs> Hebrews 4. Are you there? Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That can be translated confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You see, that's also some of people's reasoning for praying to departed saints. They say, well, you know, so-and-so, he, he lived on the earth like I did, and, and he can relate, you know, to my weaknesses and my human frailties. What do you think Jesus did? That's what it says, didn't it? We don't have a high priest that can't be touched. And some people are implying that God can't be touched. Jesus can't relate to how sinful and how frail and how weak. But it's a lie. I said it's a lie. Jesus has experienced every challenge and temptation that you ever have or ever will. In fact, he's been pushed beyond. Yet, without sin. Proven you don't have to yield. He did it as a man. Verse 16. What's, what should be the result of this? Let us. See if we can get somebody. No, no, no. <laughs> somebody to plead our case. or Somebody else to pray for us in our time. of No, no, no. Let us come boldly. Now that's not proudly. That's not arrogantly. But it is confidently. Confidently, where? Not to the gates. Not to heaven's suburbs. Not to the outskirts. Where, where? Not, not to very throne God sits so. on. Where the Creator sits? Huh? That throne? Come right on up to there. And do what? Get your mercy. Get your grace. Get your help. When you need it. When you need help. Don't just look for human beings. Living or dead. Come on are y'all with me? You need help. Go straight to the source. You need an answer. You need wisdom. Go straight to the source. Right to the source. This is one of the greatest things Jesus did for us, is providing for this, making us able to do this. The great length and price he paid to accomplish this and get this, we dare not cast it aside and act like we still don't have it. I want you to sit out loud, say, I can, I can. and I do, go directly to the throne, in Jesus' name. <laughs> There's one God, only one mediator between God and men. Praise God. In Romans 8, did you find that place? Or? Actually, Hebrews 7. You're already in Hebrews, right? Unless you've left. You were there in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 7, verse 22. I'm going to read this in Young's literal translation. Now, you've heard me say this, but let me encourage you again. Many of the modern so-called translations of the New Testament are actually not good translations. They are paraphrase. That's not an actual literal translation. What does that mean? They're telling you what they think it means. That is not what you want. You want to hear exactly what the Lord said and let the Holy Spirit tell you what it means. Y'all with me? So you got to be on your watch. And if you want a good reference to check it, this Young's literal, also the author of Young's Concordance. So this man knew something about the language. 
And uh, I have, the more in depth I've studied some things, the more I like it because it, uh, well, for instance, in studying about intercession, I'm looking up the words in the New Testament, studying it, and uh, I saw something I hadn't seen before. And it's, it, the, the word translated prayer in where it says the things are sanctified by the word of God in prayer, that that word actually is the same word that's translated other places, intercession. I thought, really? <laughs> and so then I thought, well, what translation has it? I pulled up Young's literal. Guess what? That's how they translated it. It's sanctified by the word and intercession. Somebody says, what does that mean? I'm not on that right now. Come on. <laughs> but don't you want to know what it said instead of somebody telling you what they think it means? I'm just saying this is a good reference for you. If you don't have it, get it. <laughs> Keep reading. Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. Just keep reading right down there. Said, indeed, many who have become priests because of death, they're hindered from remaining. Now, it doesn't read as easy because it's more just locked to the actual words. And he, because of his remaining to the age, has the priesthood not transient. Whence also he's able to save to the very end. Now see the King James says uttermost. But this is what it means. To the very end. And of course you've got to look at the context. What does it mean to the uttermost? Well other priests couldn't continue. Because they died. And then there was a new one. But our priest. Hallelujah. He does not die, so he is able to save us from now on to the very end, those coming to him come through him to God. That's us. Did you come to God through Jesus? And he is, Jesus is ever living to make intercession for them. This is the present day ministry of the head of the church, Jesus. And our ministry of reconciliation is an extension of that. He ever lives to be the mediator between us and the Father. To ensure and continue our being reconciled to him. And we extend his voice into the earth about people being reconciled to God. Can you see that? He's the head We're the body. Verse 26. For such a high priest we needed. Godly. Blameless. Unstained. Removed from sinful men. And raised above the very heavens. Is he amazing? Who does not need. As the old high priest did. To offer sacrifices every day. First for his own sins. And then for those of the people. For this last. He has done once for all. In offering up himself. He's the high priest. He's also the sacrifice. He offered himself. For the law points to the high priesthood men full of imperfection. But this utterance about the making of the oath which came long after the law appoints a son fully qualified to be high priest forever. I'm sorry I went to reading the good speed translation. That's why there was a I switched on you a little bit. But he is fully qualified to be high priest forever. Fully qualified. Go with me to the book of Job. The book of Job. Job is considered one of the oldest books in the Bible. And uh, we're talking long, long, long time ago. When this thing happened with Job. Long before obviously the things we know today. And gospel and the new birth. and Even long before other things. And uh, Job experienced trauma and attack. And we're told it was the enemy who did it. Have you read the book of Job? It was the enemy who did it. It was the devil who made him sick. 
It was the devil who killed his kids. It was the devil who stole his livestock and those things. And uh, a revelation that Job had was here in chapter 9, in verse 32, and this is the NIV. Job 9:32 said, Job is speaking by the Spirit of God. He said, he's not a man, talking about God, like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. Now, Job is a tremendous man. He is a righteous man. He's a good man. He's a godly man. And all these terrible things happened to him. And his friends eventually came and tried to comfort him, but then stayed to uh, torture him. <laughs> That's happened since then. <laughs> People came with good intentions, but they stayed when they should have just left and been quiet. But uh, they, they kept trying to tell him, well, you've sinned, you've messed up. That's why all these things have happened to you. And he wouldn't accept that. And he, he, he said, I, I want to talk to God about this. If I could, I'd lay out my case before him. And basically, he's going to try to help persuade God that something went wrong here. That this should not have happened to me. And, and you know, I, I don't deserve this and, and what have you. And he, he actually got pretty mouthy about it. I mean, there's 42 chapters here of this. But uh, <laughs> he, he did. He, of course, you've got you to gotta understand, the man's hurting. He's in pain in many ways. And so what happened that apparently had not happened before, an amazing thing, he said, I wish God had talked to me and, and I'd lay out the case and, and I'd tell him and, and, I would, and, and a, a whirlwind showed up and a voice spoke out of the whirlwind and it was God. And he said, who want, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He said, who wants to talk to me? <laughs> who is he? What's his name? All right, you, is that right? State your case. And Job said, <laughs> And so God said, are you questioning my judgment? Will you disannul my decisions? Will you, you know, and he went on to say, I got a few basic questions I want to ask to see if we can have an intelligent conversation. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? How does this work? And Job said, I don't know. And where did this come from? I don't know. And, and how does this happen? I don't know. And what about this? I don't know. And, and, and eventually Job just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And the Lord said, well, how are you going to talk to me about this? You don't know the basics. <laughs> and eventually Job said, I opened my mouth once. and opened it twice. But I'm zipping it right now. <laughs> I repent. In dust and ashes, I said stupid stuff. And before the chapter is over, he is healed. Come on, are y'all with me? He's healed. And God added to him twice what he lost. Come on, can you see that? I've heard people say, well, I guess I'm like poor old Job. You should say, hallelujah. (laughs) What do you mean? Job had a rough year. Historians tell us perhaps the entire episode of Job's troubles happened in maybe eight months, maybe a year. I don't know. He had a bad year. But he wound up healed with twice as much as he ever had before. Come on, can you see that? So if you're like Job, glory to God. But a revelation that he had was this. He said, read it again. He said, God's not a man like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there was someone to arbitrate between us. Somebody that understands what it's like to be a man living on this curse-filled earth. And not know everything and be so dumb and to be so weak. I'm not God. God, can you even relate? I need somebody that understands God and understands me. Is he speaking by the Spirit? He's speaking by the Spirit 
prophesying, declaring the greatest need of mankind in the earth, the need of a Savior, the need of a Redeemer, the need of an Advocate. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. An intercessor. That's what intercessor means. One who is between. Between this one and that one. If only there was someone to arbitrate between us. To lay his hand upon us both. Someone to remove God's rod from me. He said, obviously, I've gotten on the wrong side of God here. And I'm experiencing punishment and judgment. I need some help. I I need somebody. So that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I'd speak up without fear of him. But as it stands with me now, I cannot. I need somebody. He didn't have anybody. But he prophesied. He recognized the need. In the 16th chapter of Job, Job 16. And verse 19. This is the NIV as well. He said, even now, my witness is in heaven. You know, Job prophesied in the midst of his pain and his agony. He said, even though I die, I'm paraphrasing again, and and my bones decompose, I'm going to see my Savior one of these days, (laughs) face to face, at the end of all this. And uh, you and I will get to meet him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. Verse 20. My intercessor is my friend. Oh, come on, won't you say that out loud? My intercessor is my friend. Did you read? He ever lives to make intercession for me. That's not just pray for Sometimes we hear intercession, we think only prayer. But intercession is a legal term. Somebody who pleads on your behalf. It could be prayer, but it's more like a courtroom term. Somebody who's speaking up for you, vouching for you. Oh, did you hear that or not? Vouching for you. My intercessor is my friend. As my eyes pour out tears to God, on behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. You know, even in the days of kingdoms, it's still true to a point anywhere in the world today. If the king got mad at you, for whatever reason, and he wouldn't talk to you and wouldn't see you, what's your next position here? If you could find somebody in the court, is that right? That would talk to the king on your behalf, maybe get this fixed, get this worked out. That was our position. No hope. No covenant without God. Right? Did we read that? We needed somebody on the inside. But we needed somebody that understood what it's like to be a human being on this earth. And we needed somebody who knows how God thinks and what it's like to be God. There's one. One mediator between God and men. The man. Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Go with me to uh, two places I think we'll be done. In Romans, maybe you're still holding your place. Well, hold it a little longer. Go to 1 John. (laughs) 1 John 2. Then maybe we'll. (laughs) 1 John 2 and 1. 1 John 2 and 1. My little children. These things write I unto you that you sin not. Sin is what caused the whole deal. The wages of sin is death. Death involves separation from the source of life. If you're cut off from the living vine, you wither and die. If any man sin, thank God it's not the end. If anybody, anybody, anybody does sin, What's the answer? See, Job said, I need somebody. What can we say? I have. Man, y'all are getting quick on this. I I have somebody. I have 
an advocate. Oh. With who? The Almighty. Huh? I don't need to pray to St. Christopher. I have an advocate. With the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And verse 2. He is the propitiation, the payment, the appeasement, the satisfaction for my sins. And not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. If they'd receive it. Amen. Do you see that? Oh somebody say I have an advocate. I have an, advocate. I have an intercessor. I have an intercessor. You and I are represented. At the right hand. Of majesty on high. There's a man. There. Hallelujah. In the resurrected body. Oh thank God. He understands God. Perfectly. He is God from the beginning. He understands man perfectly. You can never tell Jesus. You don't know what it's like. Oh yes he does. He's been here. He lived here. He was tempted and pushed. Until blood came out his pores. When the last time you were there. See he's been pushed beyond you. Far beyond you. Yet without sin. I have an advocate. Come on, say it again. I have an advocate with the Father. It should make you love Jesus. It should make you love him so much. Because he's why I have access to the throne. He's why I have authority over the enemy. It all starts and ends with him. He's the author and the finisher of the faith I live and walk by every day. Somebody say, I love Jesus. Do you or not? Not just talk, not just empty. We have an advocate. Now in Romans 8, I think we'll close with this. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory, who always causes us to triumph. This entire eighth chapter is just amazing. But in verse 31, let's, let's start there for time. Verse 31 What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now this is what we've been talking about the whole time. Has God always been for us? Uh Uh-uh. What do you mean? Well, because of our sin. Can you see this? There was enmity. It's not that he didn't care about us. But if you embrace his enemy and evil, you wound up on the wrong side of him. There was enmity there. But because of what Jesus has done, he paid the price for all that. He fixed it. So there's, if we walk in the light and keep our faith in him, there's nothing for God to be against. If we mess up, we confess it. We repent. We receive our forgiveness. We count on our advocate. Yes. Our, right? Our intercessor. Yes. We count on him. And so then there is nothing for God to be against us. And so he is not against us. Those in Christ Jesus. He is for us. Yes. Now all who have rejected him. In our generation. In the ones before our generation. And after. They'll stand before his throne. Revelation says. And because they rejected him, the judgment will be against them. Is that right? Have you read it? And it won't be God's fault. It wasn't God's choice. But those who have chosen him, there's nothing for him to be against because he judged against all that in Jesus when he paid the price on the cross. So now all that God is is for us. And if he's for me, You could almost say, what difference does it make? (laughs) If God is for you, who's bigger than him? Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Because he's redeemed us and qualified us. Now, based on what he's done, God can bless us with every good thing. Verse 33. 
Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. If the Lord wanted us charged with wrong or condemned, all he had to do is nothing. Leave us alone. And we already were. But he's justifying us, not laying things, not accusing us. Who is he that condemns? It's not Jesus. Christ died and is risen again. He's at the right hand of God. Who does what? Who does what? He makes intercession for us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. There's a man at the throne, at the right hand of majesty, and he knows me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He knows me inside and out. And even though he knows me so well, he still loves me. Oh, hallelujah. And even though you and I didn't measure up to come to the throne, because of where we are, we were at odds. We were at enmity with God, our forefathers and everybody following them. But Jesus took the place of being on the outside. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did he experience what it's like to be separated, to be on the outside? Not for anything he ever did. He was taking our place and paying the price for that. So that what? So that we could be reconciled to God, to be at one with Him like we had never sinned, like we had never messed up, like we had never made a mistake. And that's not the end of it. It's been done. Many of us have received it, but not just in this life, but in the eons to come, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, he's the payment, he's the satisfaction for all of our mistakes, and he ever lives. He lives forever to do what? To be between us and the Almighty, and to make sure we get none of the judgment and all of the blessing. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.